This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. And I'm glad you're here if you're a guest with us the first time. We're blessed to have you here today. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand up real high, and our ushers would gladly get you a Bible. Once you get your Bible, turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm just going to tell you right now, you were smart coming to the second service because I'm going to do a lot better job in the second service than I did on the first because I get to add some things and take out some things. And so it is going to be a good day today. Uh, the book of, you're going to Ephesians 6, the book of Romans chapter 13, the apostle Paul said this, honor to whom honor is due. And so on those lines right there, the word honor it means to nurture, it means to protect, it means to guide and when we talk about fatherhood. And then again, we're, we're here to honor fathers again today. And so as you're turning there, um, just a little bit of my heart before we get going here. I, I've been on kind of a, a little bit of a roller coaster for about the last three weeks and I've been in and out of the office and a few weeks ago I was gone and uh, me and Shelly were blessed. We, we celebrated 40 years of marriage. And so we've, we've been blessed to reflect on these things. And what I see is the faithfulness of God. That, that God has preserved us just incredibly. And so last Sunday, right after the service... We jetted out of here and we crossed into Juarez last week to check on the orphans. <laughs> They're doing well. They're doing well. And so after that, uh, we attended a little pastor's conference for a few days. And then my wife made me go to her 40-year class reunion. And you heard what I said. She made me. I, I don't have a good attitude about those things very often. But... It was very enriching just to be able to tell people about the goodness of God. Just, just the goodness of God. And I'm telling you, I wept and I cried and I wept and I cried. And so I'll probably weep and cry today. <laughs> just, just the goodness of God. The faithfulness of God. 60 years, I've seen the faithfulness of God. Ephesians 6, and when I read this to start out with, I, I want everyone in here, regardless of your age, to understand this. This is the order and the function that God put into place, okay? Verse 1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. And all the parents said, preach it, pastor. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. The Passion Translation says this way. Children, if you want to be wise, listen to your parents and do what they tell you, and the Lord will help you. The word wise means a deep understanding, a capacity to understand even judgment. Now, the passion says you want to be wise. There's only two choices here, wise 
or unwise. Children, obey your parents. Verse two, honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. When I read this, this is one of the original 10 commandments in Exodus 20. Actually, it's Exodus 20, verse 12. Children, honor your mother and father. Now, what you see real quick is two different words. In verse 1, it says obey. Verse 2, it says honor. I am to obey what they tell me to do as long as I live under their roof. The word honor means to love and respect. That word honor is for life. And the reason we want to highlight this, because if you look at the end of verse 2, it says, it is the first commandment with promise. And what is the promise? Now watch real closely. That it may be well with you and you may live a long, long time on this earth. That is, if you obey and honor your mother and father, you will prosper and live a long life on this earth. I believe this is very timely for the time we live in. Do you know the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, he said one of the marks of the end times will be shown or, or voiced or exposed that children will disobey their parents. This is getting big within our society, okay? Verse number four. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Don't exasperate them. Don't provoke them to anger. Don't discourage them. But bring them up in the training. Bring them up in the development. Do you know our job, we're charged fathers to aid the development of their character. And he said, train them up this way. But he didn't end with that. He also says, and in the admonition or the revelation of the Lord. So he charges us as fathers. We are the ones to point him to the things of God. And I believe we've got to stay after it. Got to stay with it. And so today I applaud all the fathers who've taken their assignment serious. And they've lived committed to this assignment. See, there's a lot of dads in the world, but there's not a lot of godly dads. And I applaud godly dads. There's a lot of titles for fathers, but there's not many that are really godly fathers. That'll say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to train them up. I, I'm going to be the example. And what I found out is the influence of a father will last a lifetime. Actually, better stated, the influence of a father will last throughout eternity. Well, fathers, I applaud you. Go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Just the kingdom of God. We're going to put some scripture within you today that I believe will help you. And one of the ways I look at the charge from Father God to fathers is we look at what Father God does. You know, we're told to be imitators. 
We're told to be imitators of the Father. So this is partly of where we're going here in Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. The word chastening here has the meaning of discipline. It also describes corrective discipline. He goes on to say, nor be discouraged. Don't give up when you are rebuked by him. The word rebuke means to verbally reprove. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He disciplines. Whom the Lord loves. And so that's everyone. God loves us. But part of maturing as believers, I'm going to come under some chastening. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and says, and he scourges. He punishes every son whom he receives. The word scourge there means sensible, physical discipline. Wow. Those three. And in that order right there, there are times when Instruction or verbal rebuke is all that a child needs. So this is the way Father God treats me and you. He wants to help us. Verse 8. If you endure chastening or training or discipline, God will deal you with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the Father does not chasten? Now if you read into that right there, Father's, our job description is right there. We're to chasten, we're to discipline, we're to instruct. Verse 8, but if you are without chastening, of which all have become or all of God's children have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. And so the validation that I'm a son is I'm going to be corrected. I'm going to be disciplined by Father God. Ooh, this even gets better and better. Verse number nine. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us. How many of you ever had a human father that corrected you? That's a good thing. My human's father's here. Did he ever correct you, pastor? Only days that ended in Y. <laughs> Can I help you with that? Every day ends in Y. <laughs> Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us. And we paid them respect. How many of you have ever told your father who corrected you, thank you? It's probably not real popular to do, especially now. Why would we tell him thank you? Because when a human father corrects you, foolishness goes out and wisdom comes in. Proverbs 22 says, train up your children in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart. What I found out about wisdom is you either learn from people telling you things to do and not do or you learn the hard way. 
Did any of you in here ever learn the hard way? Wow, it's almost unanimous. The older I get, you know what I find out? I would rather learn by wisdom than the hard way. Because the older you get, when you learn the hard way, the more severe the consequences are. <laughs> so we paid them respect. Shall we, not, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? So when we welcome the correction of Father God, he says, you're going to live. You're going to live an incredible way. Verse 10, for indeed for a few days they chastened us as seemed best to them. For a few days. And you know what a few days literally is? That the window of opportunity for your parents to correct you doesn't last very long. Now when you live under the roof, you think, man, can I not get out of here quicker than this? But it's just for a few days. And what happens in this thing called life, life is fast. And you with little guys, enjoy the journey. Some of you are biting your tongues and I wish I could enjoy the journey. I would like to be biblical and lay hands on that little rascal. I will tell you this. They're gone like that. James said in James 4.14, he said, life is but a vapor. You're here and you're gone. The window of opportunity to train them to develop their character is a small window. This is what he's getting over to. And he said here, for indeed for a few days they chastened us as seemed best to them. You know what has seemed best to them means? They did their best. That didn't mean they were perfect. There's not a perfect dad in here. But we did our best. And the way we do our best is we say, Father God, grace me. Help me. He goes on to say here, but he for our profit or our good that we may be partakers of his holiness. God wants us to be holy. Verse 11. Now, no chastening, discipline, or instruction seems to be joyful for the present. No, it doesn't. But painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it, the chastening, the punishment, or the instruction, yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Better stated, something begins to take place when we receive the correction that comes not only from Father God, but from our earthly fathers. There's a blessing attached to this. A harvest of righteousness is what he's talking about. And so just in this little nutshell, these, these verses from 5 to about 13, we need to become imitators of God. God will help us to be kingdom fathers. Now, go way back to the first part of the Bible, to Genesis chapter 6. 
And I'm going to show you some things biblically here today to help us to understand, ooh, there's some kingdom stuff that only come from fathers. When you close in here to the book of Genesis chapter 6, in this season of life, the world was incredibly wicked, evil, lawlessness began to abound. Wasn't good. Verse number 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In a time of incredible wickedness, evil, and sin, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, I believe personally right here, this word grace is the secret sauce for every one of us in here. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord, even in an ungodly world. Now, I believe this personally. The days of Noah don't hold a candle to what we live in right now. That God is still in the business of gracing people right here on the earth. Why did God grace him? Now, watch real close, verse 9. This is the genealogy of Noah Noah was a just man. You can be a just man in an ungodly world. He was perfect in his generation. That word perfect there means he was blameless or he had integrity. When it says he was perfect, that doesn't mean he was without sin, okay? He just lived with integrity. I believe the perfect that it's talking about he was perfect in the way he repented. But watch the last phrase here in verse 9. And Noah walked with God. And Noah walked in close fellowship with God. Let me help you with what was just said here. God graced Noah because Noah chose to walk with God. So when you choose to walk with God, there's a grace upon you. And the grace upon him was not just for his life, but it was to influence his children after him. Even in an ungodly world. So what I see with this, in our life, you're either influencing or you're being influenced. Grace is, Father God, to walk with you. Even in the times we live in. Fill us with salt. Let us be the salt of the earth. Verse 10. And Noah begot three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. This was his children. Verse 11. The earth was also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. Kind of sounds like our world right now. So God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Kind of sounds like our world right now. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. The end had come that God said, I'm going to destroy them. The things of the kingdom of God had deteriorated so bad that the people of the earth had forfeited their right to exist. 
So what God do? He told Noah, build a ship, build an ark, because I'm going to flood the entire world. So for about 120 years, Noah built this ark. And people mocked him and said, there's not even a lake nearby. Why would you build an ark? Because God told me to. And so in this time of incredible wickedness and the place called earth or the population of earth was on the verge of being destroyed, there was a man named Noah who said, I'm going to be the godly example to my children. So he builds this, this ark. Now I want you to think about this. Just because he built the ark, it didn't guarantee that his children would go on the ark. They had a choice too. And so how did Noah convince his children to get on the boat? I believe because of the stability and the structure of his life, a man walked with God that when he said, fellas, let's get on the boat, they obeyed. Now, if you've ever studied this, when they got on the boat, there was just eight of them. Noah, his wife, and his three sons and their wives. Now, when they got on this boat, remember biblically it says, that it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Then in Genesis 7, verse 24, it said, and the water didn't recede for 150 days. Now, why are you highlighting that? How many of you would like to be locked up with your children for 40 days and 40 nights? Better stated, how many of you would like to be locked up with your children for 150 straight days? My point is this. This wasn't a cruise ship. There wasn't water slides. There wasn't a lazy river. There wasn't a buffet. There wasn't a private suite for Noah and his wife to escape to. So what are you getting at right here? Man, the only thing that was there was the eight of them and a ship with every type of species possible. 150 days. And you know what 150 days say? It stinketh. But within this home, the ship there became some form of, of harmony, of unity. And no one knew what it would look like when they got off. But they trusted their earthly father that said, I don't know what's going to happen when we get off, but God has been faithful to navigate us over and over. The faithfulness of God. And I believe that was some of the stuff that Noah put in his children I don't know what's going to happen when we get off the boat, but I can tell you one thing. God is faithful. He's been faithful and he'll continue to be faithful. Turn to Genesis chapter 9. 
verse 1. Now, when we get here, the flood had taken place, okay? Watch this in verse 1. 9-1. So God blessed Noah and his sons. God reestablished the covenant of blessing. In the beginning with Adam and Eve in Genesis 1, Genesis 1, 28, the Lord blessed them. And now they're getting off the ship and God said he would bless Noah and his sons. You know what the word bless means? Happy, fortunate, and to be envied. This is what God spoke over Noah and his sons. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, one of the reasons I highlight this is because of these three, off of these three boys, the entire world would be repopulated. Same chapter, verse 18. Now, the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Ham was the father of Canaan. And these three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth would be repopulated. So you see the sons with Shem, Ham, and Japheth, not Curly, Moe, and Larry. Some of you don't even know what that is, do you? Help them, Jesus. That was the three stooges. I lost my train of thought telling you that. These three sons. Same father, but three unique and different children. When you start having children, you know what you find out real quick? They're all different. Different temperament, different personality. Some are rule followers, some are rule breakers. Don't ask my mom which one I was, okay? God creates every child differently. Every one of them. You know why I think God did that? Because he didn't want the world to be boring. And sometimes he gives us children that you really got to work at parenting with. And he elbows Jesus and says, watch this one. This will be good. (laughs) Just a little thought there. Verse 20. And Noah began to be a farmer. And he planted a vineyard. And the reason he planted a vineyard is because he had a craving for wine. Hmm. Verse 21. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk. Proverbs 20 verse 1 says, that the person who's led astray by wine is not wise, he's a fool. Then he drank the wine and he was drunk. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 5, he said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And he became drunk. Interesting. And he became uncovered in his tent. Let me help you with that. He was naked and he passed out. 
And Noah's poor example right here was a poor example of godliness. And his bad choices affected his children. See, your private life not only affects your existence, but successive generations. What I do in moderation, my children will do in excess. I've seen it for years. And so right here, Noah influences children in an ungodly manner. He becomes an incredible ungodly example right here. Now watch what transpires off of this. And Ham, the father of Canaan, the Canaanites, so this guy named Canaan is Ham's son, so he is Noah's grandson. And the reason his name keeps coming up is he was part of the problem here. Many believe he instigated this. And so it says, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness or the shame of his father, and he told his two brothers outside. Better stated here, he gazed at his father disrespectfully. He mocks his father. And somewhere on the way, Ham thinks it's his job to expose or to reveal his father's sin to his brothers. Ham's action was viewed as disgraceful. One translation literally says it was a form of dishonoring his father, what he did. In other words, when we think it's our job to broadcast other people's sin. I'm going to help you with this a little bit. Probably within the last two months, I, I did a, a sermon on Psalms 133, verse 1 through 3. Psalms 133, verse 1 says, How beautiful and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Harmony. What Ham did right here in this verse, it cross-referenced me back to Psalms 133. So what Ham did wasn't a form of unity. It was a form that caused disunity. And in Psalms 133 verse 3, it says, In the place of unity, harmony is the place God commands the blessing. So because of what Ham did by dishonoring him, it didn't cause a blessing, it caused the exact opposite, a curse. Now watch this right here, because you're going to see the influence and the blessing of a father. But Shem and Japheth took a, a garment, a blanket, and they laid it on both their shoulders, and they went backward. And they covered the nakedness or the shame of their fathers. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. It said they honored him. So he's over here, passed out, and these two other sons, Shem and Japheth, they won't even look. 
They won't even gaze on their father's shame. Verse 24. So Noah awoke from his wine, his stupor, and he knew what his younger son had done to him. He knew that his younger son had exposed his shame. Now watch the power of a father. Then Noah said, Cursed be Canaan. Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. What I begin to see here is the power right here that took place. That in this passage, this was one of the most far-reaching prophecies anywhere in the Bible. And it came from the voice of a father. His descendants would be wicked and morally degraded. Verse 26. But he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. He pronounced a blessing on Shem. He cursed Ham because Ham exposed his shame, but he blessed the other one who said, I won't dishonor my father, I'll honor him. And he said, may God enlarge, expand, and prosper Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may be Canaan be his servant. In the Jewish custom, the family blessing was prized as the most valuable possession. You know what they said? And we want the blessing of the Father. We want the blessing of the Father. But it's interesting right here how all this took place when we choose to honor what God says to honor. There's a blessing. And so as I I read this right here, what we honor, we move toward. What we dishonor, we move away from. There's a lot of dads in the house today. And Father God applauds the gift of fatherhood, the ones who say, I'm going to train up my children in the way they should go. I'm going to be the example. I'm going to be the influencer. A couple months ago, my daughter was talking to me about two of her best friends growing up. One of the two I had the opportunity to marry. And when her little wedding came around, I looked at her and I told her, I said, listen, when I lead you through the vows, I said, I'm just preparing you. I will not look you in the eye. And she said, why not? And I said, if I look you in the eye, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to cry like a baby. Well, this same girl and the other girl, they told my daughter this two months ago. The only godly 
influence of a father that we ever saw was your daddy. And the only godly marriage we ever saw was your parents. And I don't say this to say, look at me. I say this, that there's people always watching. And there's people still in this earth that have a desire to see godly people walk this earth. Not perfect, but godly. And because of a thing called divorce, her mother and father had split off. Her mother and father have nothing to do with her grandchildren. And I said jokingly to her the last time I saw her, I said, move to Lubbock. And I'll become their granddad. They're considering moving to Lubbock. There's something about when men and women choose to live for the kingdom of God that it impacts their children for generation after generation. Generation after generation. I was at Shelley's class reunion the other day that I was talking about. The high school that me and her graduated from, my father was a teacher and a coach there. And a minimum of 10 men there came to me and said, tell Coach Swan, thank you. One of them said this, he said, when Coach Swan spoke, we all knew it was the truth. And so I get to stand before you today because of the integrity that my father lived with. And in my life right now, it's easy in my life to command the blessing on both of my children. It's an honor for me to tell my children, the Lord bless you. And you may sit here today and you may not have had a godly influence as a father in your life, but there's a, a lot of godly daddies and a godly mothers in this room. And we are in need of spiritual fathers. Huge in our society. The two greatest questions that come to me as a pastor when ones are getting married is this. I want to be a godly husband and I want to be a godly daddy. I just don't know how. God is looking for fathers that are saying, God grace me to walk this earth to please you. And when I live to please God, people start taking notice. At this reunion, there was a guy, and these guys were all two years younger than me. So I was the elder there. But they asked this one guy to say the prayer before we started. I know the history of this guy. He spent time. He, he is a federal felon 
And when he got up to pray, my eyes opened up and I was looking and I was like, He was praying in the name of Jesus. He was praying blessing on all the Mary. I mean, he was lighting them up with Jesus' name, Jesus this and this. And after it was over, I said, dude, you got to knuckle me. I said, man, you tore it up. I wanted to amen you. And he said, God's done something within me. God is still in the business of doing something within people. And I believe today God wants the special sauce of grace to light up the DNA of fatherhood within us. To say, Father God, with your grace, I'm going to train them up. With your grace, I'm going to be an example. With your grace. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? Fathers. Fathers. Everybody else, sit down. I want all our fathers to stand up. Listen, all our fathers, and I I know there's a couple in here that you got little babies in the oven. You stand up too, John. Actually, John's wife, Andrea, is pregnant. With a little boy. And they're going to name him Norman Cop. I mean, they're going to name him Jonah Matthew. How do you know all that? Because I investigated this morning. And I made sure I had permission to tell these things. But I want everyone who's sitting right now, let's stretch our hands out toward these daddies, okay? Father God, we, we pray your blessings on every daddy, granddaddy, father to be in this room that your DNA would come alive within us and and that the special sauce of grace would come upon us that we would not only be men of, of integrity and character but Father God you would grace us to be incredible examples and Lord I pray the blessings of Joshua 24 15 on every one of these in here as for me and my house We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. So I ask everybody else to stand up right now. As our team begins to play, if you have a desire to come to the altar and say, Lord, I I want a fresh grace. Maybe you want to come down here and say, Father God, Stay a little longer, Lord. I'm going to throw one more thing out here. If you've never had an earthly father that has blessed you, I welcome you to come down here. Because we've got a lot of spiritual daddies in here. I want to look in your eyes and say, and, and, and the God of Billy Bob, the God of Sally, the God of Shem, 
May God bless you. Because God has plans for you. And you may never have had an earthly dad to bless you, but you can be a generational history maker and you can say, all right, Father God, go to work within me. If you can use anything, Father God, use me. Go ahead, guys. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.